Grab a seat, grab a seat. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just really in awe of what God has been doing uh, in our community. If you've been with us the last couple weeks, uh, the last couple, at least the last month or so, as we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, God in us, working through us. And uh, I could just honestly just take a praise break right now, and we could just keep singing that song, and we could go into prayer time, and I'd be good, because my faith is really bolstered. I'm, I'm coming expectant for prayer time, group prayer time specifically. I'm looking forward to that because I'm just wondering and curious how God's going to work. And uh, some of you might know of some of the stories that are taking place, but like God's doing some crazy things. Like so a young adult that I talked to in the lobby of South um, just was being healed of just like different things when it came to uh, the abuse of spiritual gifts in her former church and things like that. And some young adults, you know, have been healed of anxiety and just stress and addiction. And uh, one young adult was given a word of encouragement. She like literally walked in at the end of my preach. She didn't even hear the sermon uh, during worship time. And someone during group prayer gave her her word of encouragement that it was exactly what she needed to hear. And it was from God to this girl. And then the next day she was hanging out with her friends, some people that go to the collective, and she decided to give her life to Jesus. And uh, yeah, I'm just super stoked on, yeah, you could give that a hand. Like, amen, Jesus is alive, he's working. Uh, But I believe that God wants to do more in this place uh, tonight as we gather, as we worship him. And I want to take a bit of a detour tonight. Um, instead of taking apart a spiritual gift like we did last time, uh, which was the gift of prophecy, and if any of you guys missed that talk, uh, hit us up on iTunes, just put in Village Young Adults, and you can uh, see all the collective sermon audios of all the past messages, and that's for you guys to make sure that you've caught up so you're not missing out in anything, any teaching. And so with that, we're going to take a bit of a detour, and because after you see something like that happen, like after you just experience the Holy Spirit work in those ways. It's easy to get hyped on the experience. And I know this because that was a mistake that I made early on uh, in my walk with Jesus. And what the thing was is I I was reading stories uh, of just crazy manifestations of the Spirit. And I was just going from meeting to meeting to conference to conference, just chasing the experience. And what God taught me during that time was that if we want to experience more of God in our lives, We don't go chasing after the experience. No, what he taught me was that if we want to see God move in increasing power in our lives, what we need to pursue is not God's power, but his presence. If we want to see God move in increasing ways in our life, we need to pursue not his power, but his presence. One pastor puts it like this, when it comes to seeking God's presence, it pretty much means that we are seeking to be close to Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we need to do. We need to cultivate and pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus. And with that comes pursuing holiness. I know what you're thinking. Holiness, great. This is not going to be the most interesting talk. But holiness is really important to pursue if we want to go deeper in a relationship with Jesus and it's, it's like this. It's like, you know, the Wi-Fi signal at your house, right? The further away you are from that router, what happens? The signal gets weaker 
right? But as soon as you know you want to download that Haim album that just came out on iTunes, you go closer to the router because what happens? You're closer to the source. Therefore, what happens? It works better. It's more powerful, right? That's the same idea here when it comes to pursuing holiness. And before we talk about holiness in general, uh, I, I want to watch a video in one second. But I want to give you a definition by a theologian by the name of G.I. Packer. And he says this when it comes to holiness. Holiness is, which is being near to God. It's being like God. It's given to God. This is what we're talking about when we talk about holiness. It's about pleasing God with our lives. And this is so important. And I believe, as I just said, there's a correlation between pursuing holiness in our lives and God working through us powerfully which I want to dig into and talk about tonight. But just so that we're all on the same page, I know that packed more into a 35-minute video than a 30-minute sermon that could ever could. So anyways, uh, hopefully now you guys have a better understanding, but we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 1 to 2. And uh, as you guys are turning there, uh, if you're new, if a friend brought you, if you're exploring Christianity, I just want to say welcome. My name is Ben Hilson. Uh, I'm the young adult pastor here at Village Church. And my prayer for you tonight is that you really experience God in a real way, that some of your questions that you might have come with uh, get answered. And uh, yeah, as we dig into this, I want to say this. It's a bit of a disclaimer, okay? We're talking about holiness. We're talking about purity. Um, God works through sinners, he, you're looking at a sinner, this brown guy right in front of you, and God works through sinners all the time in life and in the Bible. He's sovereign. He's in control. He can do what he wants. So I'm not saying that God can't move in your life if you don't pursue holiness. I, I, I want to say that before we start this. But I do believe, you know, God's spirit, it's like a waterfall. You can't control it, but you can position yourself underneath it so it hits you. And that's what we're talking about tonight. So with that, I want to pray, and we're going to just jump right into this. Father, I just, I humbly come before your throne of grace, and I ask for mercy and grace in my time of need, in our time of need, God. I know there's people here that are thirsty, God. They're hungry for more of you, for you to show up in a real way in their lives, God. And I believe with all my heart, God, that there's power in the gospel. So I pray that that power is just unleashed in this place tonight as your word is spoken, God. I pray that you would anoint my words. I pray that you would convict us of sin, God. I pray that you would renew just a higher purpose, a higher calling that you've given us, God. I pray that you would remind some of us that you've called us to be holy like you are holy which is a high calling that can only be attained by the working of your spirit, God, through us and in us. And so, God, I pray that you would do that transforming work in our lives tonight, God. For your glory, God, for your name's sake, I pray that you would answer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Paul's writing to a young church in the city of Thessalonica, and he says this, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you recede from us how you ought to walk and to please God, 
just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So as I, as I was thinking through my talk for tonight, I knew I wanted to talk about holiness. I knew that's what God wanted me to talk about. And I had like eight verses lined up for you guys. But as I started studying this passage, I couldn't get past this first verse. And I, it was just resonating with me. And these, these words, how you ought to walk and to please God, just kept hitting me over and over again as I was reading this passage. And this is the thing, like this church in Thessalonica, I know about everybody in the room, but I know a lot of us have probably heard a lot of sermons, have probably listened to a lot of, of podcasts. A, a lot of us know how we ought to walk. But the thing is, we just don't do it. We don't put all the knowledge that we have acquired into practice. And in the same way, Paul is urging them, he's asking them, he's encouraging them to walk in a way that pleases God. So when he's talking about walk, okay, it's a Jewish metaphor for conducting yourself or how you behave. So in essence, it's how you live your life out. So he's saying, live your life out in a way that pleases God. That's what he's encouraging them in. That's what he's encouraging them to do. And that's his concern. And when I was looking at this passage, what God was teaching me is that the key to pursuing holiness in our life is found in this verse right here. And it's really simple. And I love simple things because I'm a simple guy. And so I got a simple message for you guys. And it's this, when it comes to holiness, you simply have to keep this question in your mind. Am I living my life in a way that pleases God? Am I living my life in a way that pleases God? And as I was thinking about this question and as, as I was processing it and filtering my life through it, I was like, I don't know. Do I live my life in a way that pleases God? Is this my ambition in life? Is this your ambition in life? When I'm going about my day, am I going, okay, am I, how I'm using my time right now, is, am I doing it in a way that pleases God? What I'm thinking about right now, is it, is it pleasing to God? What I'm watching, what I'm listening to, anything, I'm, anything I'm, that I'm doing. How I'm carrying myself in a, a dating relationship or in a work relationship, or how I work, or how I study, am I doing it in a way that pleases God? If I'm being fully honest with you guys, half the time, probably not. And that convicted me. Because I don't think about it in this way at all. This is not the natural way I think. And that's, this is not the natural way we all think. Hence why in our Western Christian church, we neglect the pursuit of holiness. We don't think it, it, it as an important thing at all. We kind of push it to a, the side. See, after we get saved, after we accept the gospel, we just are okay with the way that we are. We just go about our life. We're like, okay, well, we're Christians now. We're saved from hell. Great. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible and pray, but that's about it. But what Paul is calling these guys Two is, okay, you guys are doing great. These, this church in Thessalonica, they're killing it, okay? Earlier in the chapter, you can go ahead and read it at home for yourself in chapter one. He's just talking about how they are walking in love towards others, how people around in the surrounding areas are just hearing about them and how they just love God and how the gospel is alive and working, a lot like this community here. 
But what he encourages them to do is to do it more and more, to live you, your life out uh, how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about pursuing holiness. But the reason that we don't naturally think this way is that a lot of us in the room, what trumps the pursuit of holiness is our pursuit of self-fulfillment. Is our pursuit of self-fulfillment. A lot of us have given our lives to Jesus, or at least back, back whenever you answered an altar call or put up your hand for prayer. It's because you were like, okay, Jesus can do so much for me. It wasn't because of who Jesus was or who God was. Or it wasn't like this fear of God or this awe of God that catapulted you to surrender your life to Jesus. No, it was what he could do for you. And the thing is, I think the church in Western culture has failed us in that way that because it, it presents the gospel in different ways that in a lot of ways, it's a false gospel. One, one author by the name of Mark Sayers, he talks about this one type of gospel called the implicit prosperity gospel. So this is different than the prosperity gospel. I just wanted to say that. But this is what he talks about. This is what he's talking about when he says the implicit prosperity gospel, okay? He writes, in this implicit prosperity gospel, Listen to this, this is really good. If we do the right thing, volunteer, turn up for church, contribute to that justice project, we can have the good life we see all around us in the West. We subtly imbibe the implicit prosperity gospel through consumerism and advertising, but also through viewing the lives of other Christians whom seem to lead amazing, meaningful, pleasure-filled lives. In a church that has pursued the strategy of cultural relevance, we only have to trawl through our Instagram feeds to find pastors, believing musicians, artists, authors, and activists who seem to live incredible lives. This people, these people seem to have the best of both worlds. They follow Jesus and get to travel, live in cool neighborhoods, hang with really interesting people, have incredible marriages or rock the single life, and connect with the most amazing people. The more we view this, the more a belief inside of us rises. The belief is that if we do the stuff of Christianity, read our Bibles, help the poor, worship passionately, move the sound equipment without groaning, we will get a slice of the awesome Christian life that the implicit prosperity gospel promises. Hashtag self-fulfillment. That's what he's talking about. That's why we don't naturally think this way. That's why we don't pursue holiness. And the thing is, as I was reading that the first time in this book called The Disappearing Church, I was convicted because in my mid-20s, that was my idea of this Christian life. I was bought into that. And I wasn't pursuing holiness or I wasn't thinking through my life in a way was, okay, am, am I living my life in a way that pleases God? And like uh, Simon Walker shared uh, last Friday in his testimony, right? As soon as I thought that God would call me to a place like Africa or whatever, I was out. I was seriously like, no, I'm not going to do that. And that was actually a fear that I had for the longest time, even as when I got hired on at Village. But why was that? Because I was living the Christian life in a way and following Jesus just for my own self-fulfillment. That's what I was pursuing. Some of you in this room tonight really need to think hard about that question. And I'm not going to give you a bunch of applications or things to do or not to do or things to cut out. 
Because I'm believing that God's going to be working in your heart. If you just think about that question, if you just apply it, how am I living a life? Am I living a life that's pleasing to God? In the way that I handle my money, in the way that I hang out in community or witness to people, in areas of my life that, uh, that I need to be more honest with, or I, I don't know. Anyways, second thing, a lot of people in the room, another reason that you neglect the pursuit of holiness is this, is that when it comes to pleasing God, this whole idea of living your life in submission to somebody else totally grates up against you. You don't like that whatsoever. Why? Because when, when you graduated from high school, or maybe when you graduated from college, this is probably something that you were told along the lines of this, okay? Follow your passions, chart your own course, march to the beat of your own drum, follow your dreams, and find yourself. And living a life that is pleasing to God and allowing him to rule and reign in your life causes to go against this mantra, if you will, the mantra of our culture that is in order to find your truest self, you just got to follow your heart, give in to those desires. This is what authority is. Authority is, surre is surrendering of your autonomy, of absolute freedom, and free choice to someone else. And we resist living a life that is pleasing to him and neglect pursuing holiness because we don't want to submit to his authority. Why is that? Because here's the thing, even though a lot of us in this room with our mouths probably would say that God is good, deep down at a heart level, we don't actually believe that. We don't believe that that is intrinsic to his character. We don't trust that. And this is a huge point that you guys got to get. Some of you in the room tonight, you guys know up here in your head that God is good, but you don't believe it. You haven't experienced it, at least. You, you read scriptures like James 1.17 that says, Every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. But instead, you reject his commands. You live in whatever way you see fit. You do what's right in your own eyes. Because you don't trust his goodness. You don't trust that he knows what's best for you. So what does this look like? In my life, you know, it looked like when I didn't believe that God was good, when I didn't understand it, when it was just a fact on a page for me, it looked like me pushing boundaries in my relationships with girls. It looked like me going and finding pleasure in all the wrong places. Going, hitting up the club, getting drunk, doing all these things. Because why? I didn't want to live my life under the authority of God. And Paul goes on to talk about that. And he talks about uh, sanctifying yourself and living and controlling your body, abstaining from sexual immorality. And I could, I could go on and talk about all of that stuff. But you guys should just go and hear Mark's talk about sex. And he's going to answer all those questions for you. Tonight, really, we just need to ask this question. I don't think you need more information about how to carry yourself in a dating relationship or how to set healthy boundaries uh, in, in your relationships with the opposite sex. No, you need to ask yourself this question. Do you believe that God is good? 
here's the thing. I think it looks like, like this. Like being a father, as I've told you guys over and over again, has taught me a lot about how we interact with God. And so as a dad, as a dad who loves his kids, I got two boys at home, Shavi and Mason, right? I, I want to do fun things with them. Okay, I want to take them out, go to Menchie's, go get some ice cream, go hit the skate park, go take them to Despicable Me 3, whatever, okay? But here's the thing. Every time I want to do something fun with my kids, okay, they're usually doing something. They're playing with their toys or playing video games or whatever. And my kids are going through this stage right now that they just lounge around all the time in their boxers. Even if it's like 3 o'clock midday, you probably go home right now, actually. And they're probably in their boxers. And the one thing, the one thing, the only thing that I ask them to do is, is put on clothes, okay? This is what I ask them to do in order to go and have some fun with me, with dad, okay? And it always turns out into this big fight where they're crying and they're wailing and they play dead, so I have to like carry them up the stairs to put up their clothes. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, I just want to have fun with you. You're making this so much. This is not fun anymore for me, at least. And we laugh. But I'm like, when we interact with God, is that how we look? Seriously. Really, like, God's a good father. He's way better than I am, that's for sure. He's a perfect father. He wants what's best for you. And when it comes to leave, living a life that is pleasing to God, it's living in a way, uh, in, in the way that he actually created you to live this life. He created you to image him, to reflect him. And we put up this fight. See, this is the same type of thinking that allowed sin to enter the world. Right? When Adam and Eve were back in the garden, what happened? The serpent showed up and was like, did God really say? Right? That's what, that's what the serpent said. Did God really say? What was happening in that moment? S Satan, the enemy, was sowing mistrust. And if you look behind every sin, that's what, the, it's, it's there, mistrust. Distrust in God's goodness. He's asking them to question the very character of God in order for them to, to what? To take the fruit. And ever since that moment, because sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, we all have been affected by it. That's why this book says that, that we've all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it didn't end there. And that's the good news. See, God, in his goodness, in his mercy, in his love, he sent his son to do what? To live a perfect life in obedience and submission to him, to go to the cross, to die for all our sins, so that we could have a way to approach God, to come back into relationship with him. And when he was buried and he rose from the dead, he conquered sin, he conquered death, so it had no power over us. And really, when we're talking about pursuing holiness in our lives, what we're doing is we're looking at Jesus as the model of what it means to truly be human, and we're looking to live and act and think and conduct ourselves the way that he did when he walked this earth. We have a living example if we read the pages of this book, if we, if we read the Gospels. So tonight, 
Like, I just really want us to think about this question. As I said, it's a simple message. And I'm going to invite the band up. Ask yourself this. When it comes to living your life, when it comes to being an image bearer of God, okay, that's what, that's what we were created to do. That's true humanness. Get that. See, another reason that we don't pursue holiness is that in young adult culture, we value authenticity above everything else, right? And for some reason, when it comes to being holy, we just see it as a bunch of things that we need to do or rules that we need to follow. And for some reason, we feel like that's not being authentic, right? But remember what the video said? What, what's holiness? It's, it's being unique, right? Isn't authenticity all about being unique? So think about that for a second. If God's calling us to holiness, what is he doing? He's calling us to actually live a life that is unique to everybody around us, everybody in culture, everybody that doesn't know him, everybody that hasn't believed the gospel. You can't get more authentic than that. Seriously. So as we go into worship, I want you guys to think about this question. How can we claim to know and love God, yet not live a life that our main aim is to please him? How can we claim to know and love God when our greatest ambition isn't to live life in a way that pleases him? You guys stand with me. I want, I want to pray for us tonight. I'm believing that God's gonna to just move in this place as we go into time of prayer and communion. So God, I just first and foremost ask for forgiveness in all the ways that I don't live with that ambition in my own life to please you in everything that I do, to live my life in a way that pleases you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just show us, God, all the areas that we need to repent of, that we need to change our thinking around, sins that we need to confess to one another, to confess to you in this place tonight sins that are keeping us from fully experiencing you, from hindering your work in and through our lives. God, we know and we believe in the gospel that you sent your son to die for us, that when he came back from the dead, God, sin and death have no power over us. So help us, God. Give us the strength. Send your spirit to fill us up so that we don't run back to that slavery, so we don't run back to that old life, so we don't run back to those old sins, God. But we push on, hungering and thirsting for righteousness and holiness and to look and act and think like Jesus. God, would you do that work? And God, we thank you, God, that we don't do this, we don't live a life that's pleasing to you to gain your acceptance. God, but we do it out of a place of acceptance. We thank you that all of this, 
our new life is a gift of grace from you. But we know that even though that grace is opposed to earning God, it's not opposed to effort. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just give us just a new way to think about how to live our lives. That you would just allow this to be our new ambition as we worship you, as we praise you, as we pray for one another. God, we're here, we're listening. We ask as we worship and we go into a time of group prayer, God, that you would give words of encouragement and give us boldness to share those words, to step out in faith and pray for one another, to pray for healing, to pray for situations that come about when we live in a fallen world, God. And I pray, God, that you would just heal lives tonight, that you would just put hope into situations, and that you would just minister to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name.